0: This is uh, the final week of the Psalms for us. We, every summer, are uh, working our way through the book of Psalms, and so we are now on Psalm 106, which means we've done this 106 times. As of today. And uh, this summer has been particularly encouraging to me because there have been a lot of encouragements for praising the Lord, that we should rejoice in who God is, that we should praise Him. We should praise Him for being good. We should praise Him for being just. We should praise Him for being powerful and mighty, for being the deliverer, for being the Savior, for being the Creator, for being the King, for being the Judge. For being just, for being holy. But today we're going to be encouraged to praise him yet again. And today I think we are going to be encouraged to praise him for what is perhaps the best reason. So look with me at Psalm 106. And he begins with Praise the Lord! Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Praise the Lord, right? That's the encouragement, right out of the gate. Everybody, just praise God. Tell him how good he is. Now, we're going to get into the reasons in a moment, but this this is the hook, right? This is the hook. Praise the Lord. And then he says, now give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Some of you may have experienced uh, love that is really meaningful to you, right? Maybe a parent really loved you. Maybe a spouse really loved you. Maybe a brother or a sister or a friend has really loved you and you have just felt that they were there for you, whatever came, right? Whatever came. That when things got really hard, or when things were really good, or when you were really awful, they were right there with you because their love for you was steadfast. And this, he says, the reason that we are giving thanks to the Lord is because he's good and because his steadfast love endures forever. It is a faithful love that never comes to an end. It just keeps going and going and going and going. And so every morning when you wake up, just as you're sure that the sun is going to be coming up or maybe is already up, depending on your wake time, just as sure as you are that the sun is going to be up during the day, you are sure that God loves you. His steadfast love endures forever. Forever. And so the psalmist encourages us, praise the Lord, because that's something to praise Him for. To have somebody that is right there with you, for you, loving you, and particularly, not just anybody, but God. The creator of the universe. The king and judge of all things. That God loves you. Praise Him. Praise The Lord. Oh, who, he says, who he asks in in verse 2? Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all of his praise? Who could who could sing all of the praises of God? Who could tell of all of his wonders? Who could who could make it known in such a way that it captured it, right? I mean, there there are times when I just wish I could communicate with the weight and glory that is due God how awesome he is. And every time I try, it's like this is not even close. It doesn't matter what illustrations I give. It doesn't matter how high my voice gets and how excited I am. It doesn't matter because no matter how much... um, vocabulary I use or energy I put forth, I can't possibly come close to describing how awesome God is. Who could? Who could? The love of God is beyond comprehension. It is completely faithful, completely steadfast, and it endures forever. Who could utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. Blessed are those faithful of God. Those who walk with Him day after day and enjoy His love and His blessing, and day after day they faithfully walk with Him. Just as He is faithful to them, they walk with Him. They are so blessed, those who observe justice, right? If God is the judge and if He is just, and He says, I want all things in the world to be right, those who observe justice walk with Him. Blessed are those who observe justice and who do righteousness at all times. They are the ones who are blessed. Those who are God's covenant people who are walking with Him, they are so blessed. They are so fortunate, so lucky, so joyful because they are walking with Him. He says, Remember me, verse 4. Remember me, O Lord. When you show favor to your people, help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. God, would you count me among those who are blessed? Would you save me too? Would you set me aside as holy along with your people that I might see your blessings of them, that I might also enjoy your inheritance, your presence, your goodness, your gladness, your joy, your glory? Would you count me with those who are walking with you in righteousness? Doesn't that sound idyllic? And at the same time, I have to go, wait, time out. What if I don't qualify? I mean, if we say that God is so great and so worthy of our praise, And blessed, verse 3, blessed are those who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. I can understand the psalmist's desire to be counted among them. I want to be counted among them. I want to be right there among those ones who are just and righteous at all times, and yet I recognize I don't qualify to be with them. I understand how great and awesome God is, how, how uh, faithful His steadfast love is to those who are faithful and walking with Him, but what if I'm not faithful and walking with Him? Then, for however ideal this sounds, do that I find myself on the outside wishing I could be part of that? Verse 6 goes on, both we and our fathers have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. And this almost gets real with us and with himself and with God. And he says, God, you are worthy of praise and blessed are those who are walking with you in righteousness and justice at all times. But we have a problem. The problem is that we have sinned. We have sinned, our fathers have sinned, our ancestors, our forefathers, they have all sinned. I remember, in fact, this just, boom, comes to the top of his head, that when they were being delivered out of Egypt, they did not consider your wondrous works and did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. I remember, in fact, God, I remember that you came and you showed these mighty wonders, that you brought 10 plagues in Egypt, that you brought your people out of Egypt slavery in Egypt to bring them into a new land that on the way there, there was water in the way, like a big sea was in the way, and so they couldn't get through to get to that promised land. And I remember, God, that you parted the waters and brought them through on dry ground so that they could be on the other side. And then as the uh, army was chasing them. The sea closed back in and flooded the army that was pursuing them. And then I remember, God, that having done all of that and showing them, not just hearing, but showing them how great and powerful and awesome you are. God, I recall that right there on the edge of the sea, they forgot. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. And here we have this beautiful psalm that is all messed up right here all of a sudden. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord for he is, uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who could sing of the praises of God? Blessed are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me also and include me among those who are being blessed because we don't qualify. We don't qualify. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done righteous. We have done wickedness. And he's praying this prayer to the Lord, and he's going to have a rather lengthy aside. It's going to go on for a long time. We're going to start with this aside in verse eight and wind up somewhere around verse forty-three. as he's going to recount for us the unfaithfulness of God's people okay so i just i want you to listen as we go through this because he's praying and i want you to remember that right that he's praying And that in the midst of this prayer, we're going to take a pause from the prayer. What's the prayer? The prayer is, remember me also, right? Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance, both we and our fathers have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedness. Okay, so th- this is the context of the prayer that he's praying for favor, the favor of the Lord, that he would be counted amongst God's people, experiencing God's steadfast love, and now he's going to recount for us all the failures of his forefathers. Our fathers when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert, So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy and the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Right. So the first episode that he he says is, okay, they came out of Egypt. They got to the edge of the water. They were about to dip their toes in and went, that's not going to work. There's too much water. Moses, what did you do? We're all going to die. Look at the Egyptians are coming. Having forgotten what God did in those plagues, they they don't believe that he's going to save them. And yet God opens the, the sea so that they can walk through it as if they were walking through a desert, right? They walked through the sea like walking through a desert. That's how dry the ground was and he saved them from the hand of their foe. Then they believed his work. So, okay, wow, we made it. Here we are on the other side of the Red Sea. That was close. Wow, the Egyptians are all done. God took care of them. We are safe here on the other side of the Red Sea, and they sing a song praising God for how God has saved them. But soon it says in verse 13, but they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. So here they go, boop. Now they're on the other side of the Red Sea. Now they're walking through the desert. Oh, this is lovely. And very quickly they go, except there's no food. God, we made it through the sea. Thanks for that. Now we're in the desert. There's no food in the desert. What are we going to do? God says, I'm going to give you so much meat in the desert, you're going to stuff yourselves sick. You're going to feel disgusting. You ate so much meat. They forgot his works, didn't wait for his counsel, and and put God to the test. But he gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. When the men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked." Okay, so now we've gotten food, and now they're going along and going, Hey, how come Moses and Aaron get to lead? How come Moses and Aaron want to get to lead? I want to lead. And we just see, from the doubt going into the sea, to the um, craving, the, the desiring of the food... To the jealousy now of the leaders, that it's just sin after sin after sin. While God is right there in their midst, God is walking with them, He's bringing them, He's leading them, and He's just been showing all of these miraculous works. In fact, He's still feeding them every single day. They wake up and there's food on the ground. Every single day. And these people look around and they go, you know what? It couldn't be that hard to lead. A couple million of us? How hard could it be? How come Moses gets to do it? I want to do it. Jealousy and envy set in. And God's judgment comes. And then, verse 19, then they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. You may remember this story too. That they go to the mountain and Moses goes up the mountain. He's talking with God. All the people are trembling in fear at the bottom of the mountain because there's the, the mountain is quaking and there's the smoke at the top of the mountain and there's like all this fire and things. And they're, they're going, this is not safe. And they're trembling in fear at the bottom of the mountain and Moses goes up to talk with the Lord to get the covenant of God So that God can tell them, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, and I'm going to have a steadfast, faithful love to you, and you're going to have a steadfast, faithful love to me. And while they're making that covenant, it's like while they're making the vows to one another at the altar. The Israelites are cheating at the bottom of the mountain. While they're making the vows. While they're making the covenant, the Israelites are already cheating on God at the bottom of the mountain, exchanging the glory of God on that mountain, right? The glory of God that they can see and all of the power with which God has delivered them and shown his mighty presence among them. And at that same time, they're like, you know what? Wouldn't it be nice if we had a cow that we could worship right here? We could make one of gold. That would be shiny. I like shiny things. Yeah, let's do that. And they start making this cow to worship the cow instead of the God who saved them. Therefore, verse 23, Therefore he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him? to turn away his wrath from destroying them. P- picture, picture like a, a, a war, right? And there's a break. Maybe there's a, there's a wall and there's a break in the wall or maybe there's a break in the army, right? There's, there's the two sides and this is now the weak point. And the destruction is going to come through that weak point and what is happening now is that the Israelites are standing there Committing this sin and the Lord says, I'm going to destroy them. They have already been unfaithful to me. They have already not believed me and all of the things that I have done, I am going to just wipe them out and start over with a new people. And Moses stands in that gap. that point of weakness that in this battle between God and his people, where the destruction of God is going to come through, Moses steps into that gap and goes, whoa, stop, God. Let's not do that. Let's not wipe them out. They're really irritating. I'll I'll give you that. But for the sake of your glory... For the sake of your glory, think of what all the other nations would would think if you delivered them out of Egypt and then wiped them out yourself. God, remember your steadfast love. Remember the covenant that you made with your people. I know that they are not being faithful to it and have not been faithful to it. But God, remember your covenant with them. And Moses stands in that gap. In that place of weakness where the destruction of God might come through, Moses stands there and intercedes on behalf of the people, and he says, God, time out. Let's not. And God relents. He relents for the sake of the intercessor, Moses, and he relents for the sake of his steadfast love to his own covenant. And so he does not destroy them. Then, verse 24, they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness and would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among the lands. They survive the frustration of God. God brings them to the promised land and goes, Okay, here you go. I've prepared this land for you, this will be your new home. And they looked at it and went, It's scary. That is a scary land. God says, this is the promised land that I'm giving you. I have, I have delivered you from all of the things. I have provided you for you all along the way. And now I'm giving you this land. Go in, take the land. I'm, I will hand it to you. And they went, nope. Not going in there. Nope. Nope. Like a kid who's opened the door to that storage closet? Uh-uh, spiders. And darkness. I'm not going in there. And so the Israelites went, Mm-mm. no, no, no promised land for us. And so God says, okay. You're going to wander around in the desert until you all die and your kids can have the promised land that I promised you. Then, verse 28, then they yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds and plague broke out among them. Finally, they get into the land and they went, huh? this land isn't so bad. The people here aren't actually so scary after all. They've got some pretty cool gods in here. Let's worship these gods. Let's make sacrifices to these gods. And the Lord went, come on! Really? And plague breaks out as the judgment of the Lord comes through and Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague was stayed. And that was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. Phineas steps in and goes, wait, 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 God, don't don't destroy them all. Moses is gone. Phineas steps into that gap, interceding on behalf of the people, and the Lord relents and says, okay, not all of them, not all of them. Then, verse 32, they angered him at the waters of Meribah. And it went ill with Moses on their account, and for they made his spirit bitter. And he spoke rashly with his lips, and they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood." and over, and over, and over, and over again. The Israelites are unfaithful. And just when you think, wow, they really messed up big, (coughs) and they repent, and the Lord relents, and somebody intercedes on behalf of the people, you go, okay, at least we learned that lesson. At least now, now it's clear that God is powerful and holy and just, and now they will walk with him, right? Now they will walk with him in justice. Now they will walk with him in righteousness, right? And it's like, oh, no, they won't. Nope. In fact, if you thought their sin was bad last time, now it's worse. I mean, last time all they did was make some sacrifices to idols. This time, now they're sacrificing their children to the idols, And I read through this and think, how could they do that? And thus it says in verse 39 they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and they brought them into subjugation under their power. Many times he delivered them but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. And you just have to stop and go, how could they do that? That time after time after time, they saw the power and the glory and the salvation of the Lord. And they saw his justice and his righteousness. And yet they turned away from him and sinned again. So that in verse 43 it says, Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. And I think that sounds familiar. Because each time I repent of my sin. And I go, this time for real, God. This time for real. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to walk with you in righteousness and justice. This time, God. And sometimes, even as I say it, I'm not convinced And other times, as I say it, I am convinced that this time, for sure, the sin is behind me. No longer am I going to walk away from the Lord, but this time, for real, I am going to walk with him in faithfulness like he is faithful to me. And yet, many times, he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. And I go... Oh, me too. Me too. Nevertheless, verse forty four. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. Verse forty five. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He even caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. What? That is ridiculous. Who does this? Who does this? God has been burned over and over and over and over again by this same group of people. And each time, the same group of people is going, oh, not this time, God. This time is going to be different. This time is going to be different, God. Not again, God. Oh, I'm going to walk with you in faithfulness for sure this time, God. And many Times, many times, and for the sake. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So even while they are forgetting over and over and over again about the power of God, about the justice of God, about the holiness of God, about the compassion of God, about the faithfulness of God, even though they're forgetting that over and over and over again, God does not forget his people His steadfast love is faithful and never fails. His steadfast love endures forever. Forever. And so we reach the end of our aside. Do you remember that we were doing a really long aside? That was like a really long rabbit trail, right? But we had this prayer at the beginning where he says, remember me and count me among your people because blessed are those who are walking with you in in justice and righteousness at all times and count me among them, right? And then he gives this long thing saying, both we and our fathers have sinned. And God, I want to remind you about the sin of our fathers, how they sinned over and over and over and over again, and your steadfast love was faithful over and over and over and over again because you are committed to your steadfast love. You are committed to being faithful to your covenant despite the faithlessness of your people. So now, having recounted the many times that that has happened over and over again, he says now, verse 47, Save us, O Lord God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. It is a reminder it is a reminder to him and he's putting it before God. God, do you remember how unfaithful your people were? Remember how awful and terrible they were and yet you were steadfast in your love for them? Will you save me too? Will you save us too? Will you be faithful in your covenant to us too like you were to them? I'll tell you, this sounds way different than most histories I read. Most of the time that I'm recounting family history, I'm very careful to not recount the sins. But he brings them right out. Even as I recount these stories over and over again, right? As I recount the stories of Moses, and we recount the stories of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and we recount the stories of David. And it's so tempting to go, wow! They were awesome. David, the great king, whose heart was like God's own heart, And we we are tempted to look back and go, be like David, be be a great um, lover of God like David was a great lover of God. Be a great leader like Moses was a great leader. Be a great, like, we just look back and and then you read this and go, oh, woof, oh, leaves a bad taste in my mouth to read these words about what they did. Why did we recount all of their sins? Because blessed is the one who is just and, righteousness, uh, just and righteous at all times. And we want to remember that's not us. In fact, that's not any of us. And it wasn't any of them. And so, while we might otherwise be in a place where we find ourselves on the outside looking in going, oh man, I wish that was me. We find ourselves instead with the psalmist being able to pray, save us too, God. Save us too. Be compassionate to us too. Be gracious to us too. I know that I have messed up over and over and over again. And even when I say it won't be the same next time, God, it actually ends up being worse. But God, like you were faithful to them, like you were faithful to our forefathers, would you be faithful to us? Save us, O Lord. Gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory and your praise. You see, the Israelites were unfaithful to the covenant of God and he kicked them out of that promised land and they found themselves crying out, God, would you bring us back? Bring us back. Gather us back up from among the nations. And we find ourselves scattered among the nations, right? God's people scattered all among the nations, living in places that are not really their home, longing, God, would you gather us up? Would you bring us home? Would you bring us into your promised land? That we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And when we find ourselves on this side of that place and we find that our sin opens that weakness, right? That, That weak area where the judgment of God is going to come through and destroy us. That we need an intercessor to stand into that gap. And say, wait, relent, Lord, because of your steadfast love and your faithfulness to your covenant. And we have a Savior who has stepped into that gap, and his name is Jesus. So that we find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 33, it says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That point of weakness, that that sin, that thing that we did, that the judgment of God is going to come through and destroy us, who is it that is going to make the charge against us and say, you deserve to die? Who's going to make that charge? It is God who justifies. Well, then who would condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus said, I I took it. You deserved to die. And so I died in your place. And now he stands in the gap, interceding for us and says, God, do not treat them as they deserve. Do not treat them according to their sin, but treat them according to your steadfast faithfulness to your covenant. And I will take all of the punishment. I will take all of the consequences of their sin. So that they may experience your steadfast love. So we finish with verse 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. And I started off by saying, this is the last one for this summer. And we've had a lot of great reasons to praise the Lord, but I think this is the best one. Because we praise Him for being king, and we praise Him for being judge, and we praise Him for being creator, but we recognize that because of our sin, all of those characteristics of God only would mean our death and destruction were it not for this. Were it not for the fact that he is faithful to his covenant despite our faithlessness. Let's praise him together now. Oh Lord God, we do know that our sin comes between us and you. We recognize that despite our best intentions, we sin over and over again and find ourselves in need of your mercy. And so, Lord, we look at the failures of those who have gone before us and find comfort in knowing that you have saved them and are faithful despite their faithlessness. And we ask, Lord, would you do that for us too? Would you forgive us because of what Jesus has done? And would you remain faithful to your covenant? And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.